Hello, everybody. I'm Paul Menzel. And I'm Jim Conlon. And we're the Old Dogs. If you've got about 20 minutes, grab a cup of coffee, pull up a chair, and join us. In this episode of our podcast, we're going to have a little chat about younger, dirtier days. We'll follow that by offering six germy situations to avoid. We're going to give you a little background on a tortoise that populated a world of tortoises. We'll talk about a lady who hasn't let her extremely advanced age keep her from her favorite hobby, skydiving. We'll reveal how some memory care experts are helping patients with dementia by recreating a small town in the 1950s. And finally, the old dog's interview is with Kathy Drago, a painter of old faces. It's not to say a face painter. I can remember that my parents were lucky if we washed our hands before a meal. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and what about pocket handkerchiefs? You know, in grade school, I always had a pocket handkerchief, which was looking pretty ratty by the end of the day. Can't believe that was good for you. Well, I can't believe you had a pocket handkerchief, Paul. We would have called you a sissy oh, in my sad. neighborhood. How sad. Yeah. And uh, how about sharing treats with your friends? Popsicles, yeah. Cracker Jacks, of course. You know, who, who cared? You never said, hey, Wally, did you wash your hands? <laughs> Didn't come up. Yeah. Oh, and uh, did you have a pet? Did you have a dog? Oh, yeah. Grew- yeah. We always had a dog. Did and they it was dog? a mutt. It was a mutt dog. And, and they, so that's worse. Oh, absolutely. So the dog would lick your face, right? Oh, of course. And uh-huh. that, was a, that was a sign of affection. That was cool. Was that a problem for you? No. Mm. Didn't even think about it. Okay. So it, we didn't care that much about germs back then, right? In fact, no. Maybe our parents did, but how much could they do, really, when we were away? Well, now, we got our shots, you know, yeah, I mean, for yeah. the for the major illnesses uh, and inoculations, mm-hmm. but and day to day you wouldn't think about germs. You know, maybe if you looked at your hands and you couldn't see a flesh color, <laughs> <laughs> you couldn't make a fingerprint. Exactly. Yeah. Then then you might you might go wash your hands, but uh-huh. it just wasn't it wasn't your everyday thought. Well, it's certainly different now. And how is that, Jim? Well, people care a lot more about germs now. They are, I don't know if you'd say they're germophobic, but, you know, every time you walk into a, a into a grocery store, for example, there's a little bottle of Purell there that you can use to wash, wipe your hands or wipe off the handle of the cart, whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. My uh, daughter always carries a little Purell with her, yeah. and that's... You know, any in any case in which she is going to be eating or whatever it is, but pass me the Purell. Okay, so you remember those Roy Rogers lunch boxes we used to carry when we were kids? Yeah. Can you imagine opening up your lunch box and taking out a little bottle of Purell? No, <laughs> cannot imagine. Uh-uh. I I don't even remember a disinfectant unless you had a major wound. You know, like yeah. your arm was missing or something like that. <laughs> then maybe hand me the peroxide. <laughs> Paul's arm has fallen off. You know. According to the Washington Post, there are actually reasons why we might want to be concerned about germs. In a December 4th, 2018 article, they say, your hands may be a problem. Some situations 
need to be avoided in order to manage your bacteria count? What's the first one? Well, you, uh, let me say, first of all, we're going to present these to our listeners, but you got to judge for yourself whether it's something that you think is risky behavior or not. The first one, they're suggesting avoid hand dryers because they blow bacteria around along with the hot air. One study found that hand air dryers increase the bacteria count fivefold after washing your hands. So use a paper towel, they're saying. Plus, if, if you ever notice those real powerful hand dryers, how they make your hands look? <laughs> Honestly, I haven't. Oh, how my they... <laughs> God. It's disgusting. Okay. I mean, you know, they blow the skin on your hands back. No, you don't know what I'm talking about. I have no idea. I have never really watched them that carefully because okay. I usually aim it down rather than up. But... <laughs> All right. Second one, lemon and ice in your drinks can be contaminated. Remember, hands are touching your ice and lemon before they're plopped in your drink. You don't know where those hands have been. And I tell you, a quick check of the bartender wouldn't hurt. <laughs> Let me see your hands. Uh, and the next one is sharing food uh, can increase intimacy, but also your bacteria count. And in a movie theater, it's likely you have touched the armrest, the seat, even the floor before digging into your popcorn. Wait a second. Wait. Huh? The floor? Well, let's say you drop your keys. You know, you got to pick them up. You're not going to use a forceps, right? I would just borrow my wife's keys. Thank oh, you I very see. much. Leave them. Kick them on the way home, huh? Okay. but I, So I can't share food with my friends. Well, if you're sharing with a friend, that's twice the exposure, right? Okay. You got another one? All right, yeah, I got another one. Double dipping. Double dipping. You know, you put your chips in the dip, and then you put your half chip in the dip. Double dipping is like putting your mouth and both hands in the dip. Okay, that's more knowledge than I wanted, Jim. Thank you. <laughs> You've done it. I've seen you do it. So you're saying one dip per customer. One dip per customer, please. And the last item is reading a menu is like shaking hands with everyone who has ever touched the menu. What? So, well, they're saying, think about it. There are menus that look like they've never been cleaned, right? In years. Yes. <laughs> Since yes. the printing. Okay, right? I, I get it. Okay, so where uh, do we go? What well, do we the, do? Maybe the answer isn't face masks and latex gloves, I although I have both. Yeah. All you can do is be aware of situations where you want to keep your hands to yourself and practice effective hand washing. Here's how they suggest you do it. 10-second warm water rinse, 15-second lathering with soap, warm water rinse of all soap, and drying with a disposable paper towel. Uh, I don't know. That's pretty pretty tough to remember that I, flow, I need a stopwatch <laughs> just to follow this. I, I think we'll just, I'll just stick with the Perel hand cleaner. Okay. This item comes to us from the Washington Post, dated September 19, 2016. Diego is a giant hooded tortoise living in the Galapagos Islands. Now, he was moved there to a breeding facility from the San Diego Zoo in 1976 because his species was threatened with extinction. Okay. They wanted him to be the resident stud. <laughs> Since arriving, Diego has fathered more than 800 young tortoises, which is two out of every five hooded tortoises in existence. Wow. He's been busy. In addition, Diego is 100 years old with no signs of slowing down. Are you kidding me? 100 years old? Uh-huh. Oh. What? What? <laughs> You going to make some caustic comment about age? Yeah. <laughs> I would. I'd like to if okay. I had a chance. But you don't have one, do you? 
The 175-pound, 5-foot-long tortoise currently lives in an enclosure with six female tortoises. You might call him the Hugh Hefner of hooded tortoises. Well, we don't recommend his lifestyle. You've you got to admire the way he's avoided extinction, wouldn't you say? Yeah. Um, I wonder if he keeps in touch with his kids. I don't know. That's a lot of phone calls. <laughs> Okay, Paul, what takes over 100 years to fall 14,000 feet? Uh, a big feather. Well, no. The answer is a 102-year-old woman jumping out of a plane. Did she have a big feather? Um, I'll ask. This pod nugget is from the Washington Post dated December 12, 2018. Irene O'Shea is a 102-year-old great-grandmother from Australia. She recently did a tandem parachute jump to become the oldest person to jump in that category for the Guinness Book of Records. Do you think she has too much time on her hands? <laughs> Possibly. I don't know. Probably after this, she had no time. This was not some last-minute bucket list item, though. She did a similar jump for the last two years to raise money for motor neuron disease, which killed her daughter 10 years ago. Motor neuron is called Lou Gehrig's disease in the U.S., she is hoping her GoFundMe page will raise over $7,000. Her family wasn't in favor of her initial skydive two years ago. Well, I, guess, uh, I guess they're not looking for an inheritance there. Huh? <laughs> but I guess they've accepted it as a harmless hobby at this point. So what's next? What do you think, Paul? Uh, well, I hope it involves a big feather. I hate to be wrong. <laughs> no, she hopes to set a new record next year. Well, if there's anybody among our listeners who's older than 102, uh, yeah, the record could be yours. Lots of research dollars are being spent on finding cures for dementia. Until those cures are found, it's important to provide care facilities. Now, particular daycare facilities can provide a much-needed break for family caregivers. Glennertown Square in Chula Vista, California, is a new daycare facility with an interesting twist. It takes you back to the 50s. This item comes to us from the December 2018 issue of the AARP Bulletin. The facility is a replica of a small town from the 50s. Each of the 14 storefronts represents an iconic place from the past, including a library, a diner, and a barbershop. Small groups of guests rotate between the various locations with activities scheduled at each nostalgic stop. Glenner Town Square is aimed at dementia patients with cognitive decline whose long-term memory is still somewhat intact. They find the artifacts from their early years comforting. There's even a fancy name for this return to the past, Reminiscence Therapy. I should point out this is not a cure for dementia. It's just a creative daycare facility. But the idea has been very successful. There are plans to open 100 new town squares by 2020. And you know something, Jim? I mm. wouldn't mind hanging out there myself. No, I really wouldn't either. In fact, I don't even think I want to wait. I'll buy you a malted. If you haven't joined AARP, you need to. It's a nonprofit dedicated to improving the quality of life for people our age. It costs about 12 bucks a year. With membership, you get two informative periodicals, the Bulletin and the Magazine, plus scads of discounts. The Old Dogs interview for this episode is with Kathy Draco. After retiring from a career in education, she was finally able to devote some time to her interest in art. 
Her current focus is on painting portraits of women between the ages of 75 and 100. The paintings are stylized, colorful, and striking. She has completed 65 paintings on the way to her goal of 100. Kathy's work was recently featured in the Houston Chronicle. Good morning, Kathy. Good morning. Uh, we had some things we wanted to discuss. Uh, I'll tell you the first thing is you've had an interesting career change. For most of your adult life, you were an educator. And at, yes. at some point you retired from that. Can you uh, kind of tell us a little bit about that decision? Yes. Um, I was a theater arts teacher and then a school counselor. And then I became an elementary school principal. And I loved and hated that job both at the same time. I mean, it was wonderful working with teachers and doing good things for kids. But the stress of running a school of 900 children and multiply the number of parents they had and a staff of about 70, it takes its toll on you. And I've always loved art. And I've always painted when I have a chance, like when I have a break or something. And so I started taking art lessons from the Glasscock School at Rice University. But I kept missing my art lessons because parents hadn't picked up their children. And so I had to stay with the child till they were picked up. And one evening I was driving home after missing an art class and I did the math and said, you know what, I can retire and I think I left it all out on the field in education and retired, and now I'm enjoying art. Well, it was either that or leave the kids standing in the rain, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, you can't leave kids behind. Okay. Good. You were featured in a recent article in the Houston Chronicle that your art has kind of evolved in a very interesting direction. Tell us about that, would you? Okay. Um what I'm painting right now are the old, old, which are people who are 75 and up, and I prefer maybe in the 80, 90 range. And I'm painting women because there are lots more old, old women, but also women are underrepresented in art. And when they are represented, they're usually young and nude when they're painted. But I started out painting figuratively, Oh, like in 2012, and then I moved on to abstract because it just seemed like it was more fun. But then I came back to the figure, oh gosh, about 2016, and then that moved on to painting angry women, and then it moved on to painting old women. And I still paint abstract, and I think the abstract speak to my portraits because they let me get a little looser with the portrait. That's kind of how I got where I am. Uh, you know, Kathy, I was in your studio, and uh, your wall of figures is its really stunning. Uh, number one, they're all looking at you. <laughs> yeah. So you want to yeah. check your zipper and that kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, the other thing is the range is amazing. How do you source these faces? Um, I started out, I mean, sometimes friends would give me pictures of their mothers, and sometimes I would take pictures out in public. And I was very careful about the pictures I took out in public to just use those as an initial source 
and to make the ladies not look like the person I took a picture of out in public. So I didn't want to be sued or anything. So I definitely wanted to just use it as a starting point. And I also looked at obituary pictures because I've been very fascinated with those my whole life, starting with reading obituaries to my grandmother, who was a florist while she was making casket covers. (laughs) And we would talk about how that was the picture the family chose to represent that whole life. And now I don't use obituary pictures that much anymore, although I do lust after them sometimes when I see them in different newspapers and going, oh, look at that face, because I'm getting more people to volunteer for me to paint them now that my work is out there. And you've, you've had some commissions too, right? Yes, it's been a lot of fun, uh, except the commissions are harder because I have to make them look like that person. And sometimes my paintbrush wants to add a neck clap or you know, a droopy eyelid, and I'm going, oh, I can't. This has got to look like that person. But I found a way to kind of get around that urge to be creative. And when I take my source pictures of the women, I get them to tell me a story, a happy story, and then a story about something that irritates them. And I just take photo bursts while they're talking And people make the most interesting expressions when they're talking instead of posing. So I get to satisfy my urge to have a super interesting face is what I'm going for. Okay, so in your opinion, what makes older women's faces so super interesting? Um, They've got a unique quality to their face, which most older people do have because they've got this whole life that's just plastered on their face. They're asymmetrical, like one eye may be not bigger than the other, but maybe the skin around the eye hangs over one more than the other. Their wrinkles aren't symmetrical either. And there's a certain, I see kind of a fearlessness about a lot of them who are, who, who are comfortable with their whole life. But not, but not all of them are that way. Some of them have had a hard life. But I think it's uh, the article in the Chronicle was quoting me where I said faces are like landscapes. And they really are. I mean, because you've just got a whole life etched into them when a face is that old. Hmm. So uh, what do you foresee in the future for your art? Where do you, where do you see yourself going? I probably for a while and still going to explore aging. And I think it's just still on my mind because of my own age. You know, I'm the young old right now instead of the old old, but I'm approaching the old old. And, you know, it's kind of a common human thing to uh, think about mortality. And so what life I have, I want to uh, make it as full as possible. You mentioned that you have an opportunity in Germany, is that correct? Yes. Um, There's uh, a local artist in town who I think is very exciting. Her name is Michelle Matthews, and she's a a sculptor, and she's kind of a cutting-edge sculptor. Well, she's a lot of fun, and she uh, did this residency last year in Germany in a very small town 
about an hour and a half from Berlin. And the guy who organizes the re- residency and owns the space is a sculptor at Houston Baptist University. And this year he asked Michelle to help him find a group of eight artists to do a residency. And so I was one of the ones she asked. So I'm, I'm very excited. They're going to be eight women in this little tiny town in Germany and there are no restaurants. We'll have to go to the store once a week and uh, we're just going to be working with painting or clay or whatever our art is. And uh, it should be an interesting life experience. Now, Kathy, we have been talking so visually over a, a radio medium. If uh, our listeners would like to see some of your work, uh, where would you direct them to? Um, my uh, website and it's kathydragoart.com, K-A-T-H-Y-D-R-A-G-O-A-R-T.com. Great. So have you been surprised by the reaction to uh, these portraits you're doing? I've been delighted because most people just really find them compelling. There was this one lady that saw the 11 of them that were hanging in uh, Bill's Junk and saw the, the small show there, and she started crying, and she said, I finally felt validated and recognized and cared about, and that has touched me probably more than any reaction I've gotten because, you know, we do art. Part of it is because we have to, but part of it is, to help the other people in the world feel something and see something in the world they may not have seen. So I'm very pleased with those kind of reactions. Well, uh, Kathy, do you see this uh, art as going to be occupying your attention for the remainder when you get to be an old, old, old person? I hope so. I have um, a studio in my backyard, and I walk out on my back deck and walk down the steps walk over to the studio and walk up the steps. The only thing I see might be changing is instead of the steps, I'll just build a bridge there so I can roll out there if I need to. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it looks like we made it through another episode. If you enjoyed it, let us know. Or if you know somebody who'd be fun to interview, tell us about them. You can reach us at our website, olddogspodcast.com. And hey, keep on howling at the moon.